You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Fun. That's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a myth to think that they cannot. Even if you're an LSU fan, you can still have fun. I made such a bet that I was guaranteed either way I was going to win. Amen? <laughs> so, even being married to a Bama fan, I can still have fun. Now, we're going to have to turn over the deeper operations of uh, football to the Clemson Tigers now, I suppose. We couldn't get it done, but nonetheless, maybe they will. But the Bible tells us, um, I, I mean, it indicates to us, and I'm going to show it to you, that we can indeed have fun, and that, that furthermore, we cannot just live any kind of way. There's a popular myth that goes around that says as long as you accepted Christ, maybe you were 12 at youth camp, maybe you were 17, I don't know, but if you've named the name of Jesus Christ and you've said He's my Lord and Savior, that then you can just do any kind of thing you want to, live any kind of way, and in the end it's all going to be good. He's going to open the portals of glory and say, just welcome, come on in. And it's my job today to tell you that that's just not the facts. So we'll look at it, because it really and truly don't matter what I say as a preacher. It really doesn't matter what you say as a member or an attender. What matters is, is what God said, because He sets the rules. He makes the rules. So it doesn't really matter what philosophers think or or theologians think, it really boils down to what God says. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So that sounds to me like that if everything is new, I don't act like I used to act. Y'all get that impression? That's where I'm at with it. And in fact, there's another place in the scripture where the Bible says, Let him that stole steal no more. That sounds like a change of 180 degrees, doesn't it? In fact, that's what the military term about face, it means, and that, you know, about face is what repentance means. Repentance means to turn 180 degrees away from. Confession is to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Repentance is to turn away from the sin that you've just confessed. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So Jesus also says in his in discourse one day, he said that there are those who are doing lip service unto me. That tell me with their lips they love me, yet lie to me with their tongues. It's getting quiet in here now. Y'all celebrate with me now. Why do you call me Lord, he says, and do not the things that I say? Then he goes a little further. I'm just sort of laying this out here for you before we jump into this too deep. But there will be those in the end who thought that they were right with God. There will be preachers. There will be Sunday school teachers. There will be those who thought everything was kosher in their life with Him. And when they get to the end... They will say, Lord, but we preached in your name, and we cast out devils in your name, and we done this in your name, and that in your name, and the Lord says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. Now it's even quieter. 
You know why? Because these words are in red. This is what Jesus said. This is not what Pastor Mike said. It is not what a theologian said. It is not what a great philosopher said. It is what Jesus Christ said. He said, I'm going away and preparing a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. But he sets the rules. And he says that no sin is going to enter that city. Now listen, can a Christian have fun to jump back to that? I'm not saying we've got to be this straight-laced, mean-spirited, holier-than-thou that turns so many people away from God and the church. I really got to do a balance. I feel like Nick uh, Walinda, you know, trying to walk the wire this morning. But let me show you this, and I'm going to if the Lord will help me. He says, um, Paul, the apostle says, he says, you know what? I've preached this gospel. I live this life. He said, but I'm still tempted, and I still struggle. He said, the good that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the very thing that I know I should not do, sometimes I look around and I've done it. Now, I know none of the harbor rights would be that way. I mean, you're so holy that, my Lord, if you willed not to do it, you just wouldn't do it. But Paul, the great theologian and the great writer of Scripture, said, I've struggled with this old thing called flesh. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, I have to beat this old body of mine into subjection every day. Lest after having preached the gospel to other people, I myself become a castaway. Amen. I think about the prodigal son. I, I, I look at him. Was there a change in his life? Let's look at him. I don't know how old he was. Some say 17, 18 years old. But he says to his father, give me the goods that come to me and I'm going to do my thing. I'm old enough now. I'm tired of your rules and I don't want to stay here anymore. So his daddy gave him all of his living. He went and wasted his living, the Bible says, his money, his inheritance, with riotous living. With harlots and drunkards in a foreign country. And the Bible says when he had wasted all he had and was hungry, he went to a hog farmer and said, I would just love to work if you would just feed me. If I could just come and work for you. And he found himself in a hog pen at the lowest point in his life. And at the lowest point in his life, he had a V8 moment. Wow! He said, how many hired servants does my daddy have at home? that eat good food every night and here I sit in a foreign country perishing, starving to death with a man that even counts the food that I eat intended for the hogs. See, you don't realize how good your daddy has made it for you until you walk out on him. Are you with? Andrew ain't here to say amen, but he would say it if he was here. Are y'all with me? Sir? That's my son if y'all didn't. Ain't one of them. But the prodigal son, the Bible said, he came to himself. And I'm going to tell you something, when he came to himself, he realized how good he had things back home. There was a change in his life where he said, I will arise and I will go back to my father's house and I will repent. I will say, Father, I have done foolishly. I have wasted that that you worked hard to provide for me. I have thrown it away on harlots. I've thrown it away on booze. I've done this and I've done that and I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. But if you would just let me come home, Daddy, I'll work and stay out there in the shed where the servants say. And his daddy said, not so, my son. He said, 
to a servant. Go get the robe that I've been waiting with. Go get the shoes that I've bought. Go get the ring that I have for his finger. And the, 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 the son realized that daddy refused to call him servant. He said, you are my son. Hey, but there was a change that preceded that. Are you hearing me say amen? He changed from what he used to be when he left home to something totally different when he came home. Well, I think about uh, what the great prophet Ezekiel said in chapter 18. He says, uh, when a righteous man, in verse 24, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to the abominations of the wicked man does, shall he live? All of the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. For Ezekiel said, the soul that sinneth shall die. Now, what, what, what is that death? The Bible talks about we're all going to die. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed a man wants to die and after this the judgment. But to die, the death he's talking about is to be cast into hell. But he said it was a righteous man, a righteous man, a, a saved man, one that done right, that then turned and done abominable things, that done damnable things, that done iniquity. He said now his righteousness will be set aside. And that's how he finds himself when he stands before the Lord. Let me move on. I, I'm trying to get through this introduction if y'all help me. Now, I want you to know that man is a free moral agent. Before and after conversion, you're a free moral agent. He's capable of choosing to follow Christ and become a Christian. And in the same way, he's capable of choosing to reject our blessed Lord and refusing to be faithful to him. Now, here's what you got to know today. Christians can have fun. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have fun. Yep. Uh, it's, but, 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 to temper that, we cannot just live any kind of way. Can we define fun? Let me, let me try. Y'all help me define fun. How many of you got grandchildren? Huh? Oh, man. So that there is fun, ain't it? Yeah. And you come to their little party, you know, because they turn one, two, or five, or twenty, whatever it is. You, you come to their party, the party there, and you say, uh, let's, um, let, let's play a game. Let's play with your toys or whatever. And man, that's fun. And maybe you go bowling with them, or, or maybe with a life group, and you watch your pastor just wipe out on the floor. Everybody's saying, now that's fun right there. And they're trying to get their phone out to get it, you know. Because I did indeed wipe out at the strike zone. It struck me. But nonetheless, let, let's define fun because there are those who look into their lover's eyes, unmarried, and they say, let's have some fun. See, it's how you define fun. For them, fun is sex. For them, fun is let's get sloshed. I'm amazed how I many people, man, just got to get sloshed to have fun. I had one call me last night in the game. Hey, I'm watching the game. I said, yeah, I'm watching the game. What do you expect? They were supposed to call me back and couldn't. I was wondering. They probably passed out. I probably should have been. No, I'm only teasing. No, I'm only teasing. Christians can indeed have fun. But if you've got to be blitzed to have fun, something's wrong. If you've got to be sleeping around and to call that fun, something's wrong. 
The Bible says let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Look at Solomon. Man, him and his lover had some fun. I know you ain't supposed to say that in church. Y'all done got real churchy on me now. Don't make me start quoting what he said about his wife. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth and let her breast mm, satisfy thee at all times. Go have some fun with your wife. No, the pastor didn't say that from the pulpit at Harbor. Yes, I did. I look at Solomon looking at his wife and her looking at him. And my Lord, the language, I almost blushed in my bedroom reading it. The Bible is not against Christians having godly fun. Did you know God created sex, by the way? God created that drive for one another. Y'all hearing me say amen? God created and Christians can indeed have fun. But we cannot live in a life of debauchery and demoralized morals. We cannot go down that path where we bring a reproach on the name of God and on His church. We cannot go down the path where we act such a fool in public. We bring a reproach on the name of Christ. Are y'all hearing me say amen? Now I know this is a little more than you bargained for, but let's go on. Um, so it depends on what you call fun. It depends on how you define it. But popular philosophy says you can live any kind of way, and then as long as you've been saved, everything's okay, and it's all covered under grace. For by grace, they say, and that is a true statement. Did you know it is by grace that we are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast? You can't even get saved without faith. And it is by grace that you are saved through faith, your works did not earn it, but let me say something. If you are in Jesus Christ, there will be good works. Your, your works cannot save you. Let me say this. If a plant is planted in fertile soil, it is going to bring forth green leaves and herbs and spices or fruit or whatever it is. Jesus said in John, he says that I am the vine and you're the branches. And every, every branch in me bears fruit. And if it don't bear fruit, I get out my scissors and cut that one off. Hey, hey, hey. So let me say this. You say, well, I'm saved, but I... You know, I'm a drunk, and I'm saving, I run around, I'm saving all that, and I'm going to be right next door to Jesus in heaven. You are fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Show me one person in the Word of God, even the thief that got caught stealing and was condemned to die, on the cross, he said, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Repenting in the last seconds of his life. And you know what Jesus said to him? This day, you'll be with me in paradise. This day, why? Because of your confession. Because of your repentance. Uh, let me go on. You see, uh, I want you to understand something. I'll talk to you about a guy in just a moment by the name of John Wesley. He was uh, the founder of Methodism, if you will. A great, him and Charles Wesley, great men of God, lived a life where they preached the gospel sang songs and wrote songs, but yet still confessed later that it was just fun-filled religion until that night at Aldersgate where he had a genuine experience with God. I I'll share that with you as I close, but let me go. You know, um, 
Here's why it's so important you to understand this. Without understanding that Christians can have fun, you'll live a life rejecting God and rejecting the church, thinking, man, I don't want to be no old fuddy daddy. I don't want to be no dead beat. Can't even go to... Let me tell you, you know how crazy church used to be? I'm qualified to say this. I grew up in the assembly of God and the church of God. Ninth, all the way to ninth grade in the assembly, from then on to the church of God. So I'm qualified to say this about the two. We have done some stupid things. Now, our, our, my fathers, forefathers, those ministers before me, they meant well. And, and they have done some good things. Don't get me wrong. Back in 1908 in the Church of God, the very first, or 1906, the very first General Assembly that stood against tobacco in all forms. That was before we even knew it caused cancer. I believe it was divinely guided by the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me go on. You see, the Bible says that, in the, you know, 1 Timothy 4, there'd be a great apostasy coming. Now, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, that's times we're living in, that some people are going to depart from the faith. Oh, wait a minute, I thought you couldn't lose it. He said some of you are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Override your conscience long enough and it won't bother you no more. You just do what you do. Okay. Uh, you know, and then I, I go further. First Timothy 5 and 12, he says, they've cast off their first faith. John 15, he talked about being the vine and, and us being the branches. But let me go on to this. There was a time, let me say this, there was a time... And it's important for you to know that, listen, we can have fun, but we can't just live any kind of way. But there was a day when the church done some crazy things like this. There was a time when we couldn't even go to a ball game. Couldn't go to a softball game. Couldn't go to a football game. There was a time when we couldn't swim in public. Now, I understand there's some decency issues right now. I told all the guys going to Guatemala, don't you bring no Speedo with you. Told all the ladies, y'all calm down now, if you, you know. So, and I'm not saying we don't need to monitor some modesty, because, you know, we do, especially some of us really do. Y'all with me say amen, or oh me. But nonetheless, but there was a time when we couldn't swim in public. There was a time, ladies, that you could not cut your hair or you was going to hell, and God forbid those of you dying it. I want to walk up to some and say, is that your natural color? But... I'm having fun now. Y'all understand that. I'm not saying you're going to hell over it. It's all good. You can dye it green. I don't care. Red, purple, gold, it's all right. But there are those who, uh, you, you cannot wear makeup. Ladies, there was a time my wife wore, I mean, two little, I mean, little studs or balls, whatever you call it, when they pierce their ears. I mean, the real tiny ones. You've got to have a magnifying glass to see it. I had a pastor tell me. Brother Saints, you preached a great message. Matter of fact, I didn't even preach that night. I did that morning. That night, the Holy Spirit took over. We had a powerful message. He called me out and said, You would go a long way in the church, but the problem is your wife wears them ear bobs. <laughs> and them ear bobs ain't going to make it, and that's going to hurt your ministry. I didn't tell her that for two years. I wanted to knock him out, right? Matter of fact, I, I said to him, I said, You got on a watch, and you got on a ring, and you wear glasses, but see, that's somehow different. 
But I'm just simply saying, we, we've gone to some crazy extreme. Jesus even said it. He said, some of y'all uh, uh, swallow a camel and strain on a gnat. So uh, it's important to know that you cannot just live any kind of way, but you don't have to be an old prude. And I want to tell you something. Some of those most holy rolling people were some of the mean-spirited and had a tongue, a tongue from here to the floor. We're talking about you if you made a mistake, Lord Jesus. Thank God that we didn't have smartphones back then. Lord Jesus. Hello, because you can send it around the world now in a, just a second. Look, can, can we just examine what God's Word says about this stuff? Can we, can we have fun? And then if we do have fun, we've got to be careful because we can't have too much fun. No, no, you can have plenty of fun. You just cannot live a life of hypocrisy. Amen. It, it, it depends on how you determine fun so, or you define it. So listen, here's what you got to do. you got to change your mindset. If you've decided, well, I got saved when I was 12 and I'm good to go. I'm going to tell you that's a big risk to gamble. Get down to the end. Listen, uh, here's what you need to do. So you need to consider what I'm saying today. Hear what I'm saying today. Truly surrender to Christ and allow Him to change you like He did the prodigal. Let's look at a few more, if we may. If you say that I've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but there's no evident change in your life, then you have indeed deceived yourself, sir. Ma'am. And you're still in your sins. Because there will always be evidence when someone gets saved. Let me give you some examples. I want to take you to the Bible, if I may, because it is indeed the authority upon which we base everything. When people accepted Jesus Christ, let's look and see what happened in their life. Consider when they had an encounter with God. There was a guy by the name of the demoniac of Gadara. Jesus met him in the cemetery one day. And he cast the demons out of him. Now the town had already ousted him from the city. They had already banished him and said, You cannot stay in the city limits. You've got to go out there and live among the tombs because you're crazy. Now y'all know some people that fit that bill. Just don't look at them yet. But the town had already said, We don't want you among us. Jesus come to town. And there's the demon-possessed man. Jesus spoke to him and he set him free. The demons left his body and he fell in love with Jesus. And he said, I want to go with you. I want to minister alongside of you. And Jesus said, no, what I need you to do is go home and be a good husband to your wife. I need you to go home and be a good father to your children. Are you hearing me? What I'm saying is this. We look at a demon-possessed man who's now a good husband and a good father and a good citizen of the community. There was indeed a change in his life. I've already mentioned to you the prodigal son. There was indeed a change in his life. I think about the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul of Tarsus. It's on the Damascus Road when he's knocked off of his horse. Remember this. One chapter earlier, he stood there and watched over the clothes of those who stoned Stephen, the first church councilman. They stoned him to death. Saul watched them do it. He consented unto them doing it. He had papers in his hand signed by the government said, if you find any in the Christian way, you can bring them bound and have them prosecuted. That was his job. That's what he did. But on the, on the way to Damascus one day, he's knocked off of his horse. He looks up and sees a light brighter than these. And he said, uh, 
there was a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for thee to kick against the goads. And he says to the light, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? Are y'all with me? Say amen. He had such an encounter with the brightness of the glory of God that he was stricken with blindness for three days. They led him by the hand into Damascus to a street that is called Straight. The Lord spoke to his prophet Ananias and said, Go and pray for one Saul of Tarsus. He is in Damascus on the street that is called Straight. And Ananias said, Wait a minute, Lord. Is that the one that's been killing Christians? Is that the one that has the authority to, to put them in jail? Yeah, that's him. I want you to go pray for him. I want you to go lay your hands on him. And, and let me, if I may hearken back to the first myth, that, that um, once we get saved, it'll fix everything, and we'll, you know, the boat's coming in, we're going to be happy and wealthy and wise and all that. Paul, the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, Go and show Paul what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, let me go. I, I think about men who was bad, a bad boy, Moses. He saw an Egyptian guy kill a Hebrew. He got mad, he went over and he killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. Are you all with me? But on the backside of Mount Horeb one day, the Mount of God, while watching his father Jethro's sheep, he noticed a bush that began to burn, but it was not consumed. He was so mesmerized by it, as he got closer, it began to speak to him and said, Moses, Moses, Put thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. All of a sudden, I believe Holy Ghost chill bumps probably got on him. He realized I'm standing in the presence of Jehovah God. And he says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to be my spokesman. And if you look at his life, the rest of his life, God used him. There was a change. He was no longer a murderous man. But he was the kind of man that would say to God on the side of the mountain, if you blot out their name from the book of life, take my name out of your book too. The Bible says he was labeled as the meekest man in all the earth. There was a change. And then I think about Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who had stolen all kind of money from people that he was uh, over. And then when Jesus came to his house that night after supper, he looked at him. And Zacchaeus said, The Lord, Lord, the half of all my goods I now will give to the poor. The half of everything I got, I'm going to give it away. And if I've taken anything wrong, I'm going to restore them four times. In other words, if I took $10, I'm going to give them back 40 If I took $100, I'm going to give them back $400. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today, salvation has come to your house. When we get saved, there is a change. If there's not, then what were you saved from? If there's not, then the old flesh nature still sits in the captain's seat. And the Lord is not your leader. I think about another dynamic salvation. It happened when Jesus was, I can't remember where he was at, but he says to his disciples, it's out of the way. But I must needs go through Samaria. Well, Lord, that's out of the way. I know it, but i got to go. And he got there. And his disciples said, Lord, we need something to eat. And he said, okay, go to town, buy it. They left, and while Jesus was there alone, it was a divine appointment. At 12 o'clock, here come a woman. You know why she came at 12 o'clock? It's the hottest time of the day. And um, she probably didn't want to meet all the other women that come there early. She had probably slept with some of their husbands. 
That's just mycology, but let me, just, let me go further with it. Said, uh, <clears throat> Jesus gets there and he says, uh, can I have a drink of water? She says, sir, you don't have anything to draw water with and the well is very deep. He said, ma'am, if you knew who it was that was asking you a drink of water, you'd ask of him to give you water and you'd have living water that you'd never thirst again. She said, well, Lord, give me that water that I don't ever have to come here to. He said, well, you don't, you don't understand uh, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living water. I'm talking about this living water inside of me, not the physical water. Yes, you're going to have to drink H2O again, but you'll be quenched of your eternal thirst. He said, I'll tell you what, where's your husband? She said, I don't have one. He said, that's the truth. At least you'll tell a guy the truth. You don't have a husband. He said, but you have had five. And the one you're shacking with, no, that's mycology. Shacking is my word. The one you're living with now is not your husband. She said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Amen. But you know what? Here's what we have. God began to deal with her. And she went back and told the whole city, come and meet a man that told me anything and everything I've ever done. Come and see this one that I have met at the well. There will always be a difference. There will always be a change. Let me go further. There was a guy, and I don't know his name. All I know is his title. He was a Philippian jailer. Are you with me? Paul and Silas went to prison, and, and he was... In one hour beating them. After the beating, they locked them back up, put their hands and feet in stocks, and they began to sing praises at midnight. The, the prison doors opened up. The, the, the stocks and bars fell off of them. Are y'all with me? And they could have left. The jailer went outside, took his sword, laid the butt of it on the ground, and was about to fall on his sword. And Paul and Silas said, don't bring yourself no harm. We ain't going nowhere. God just wanted to show you. This is my ecology. God just wanted to show you he could set us free if he wanted to. Don't hurt yourself. And guess what? When that, say, or when that jailer got off shift that night, he took Paul and Silas to his house. And he had put the stripes on their back just an hour or so ago, and now he's got some water. And he got him a rag, and he's washing those stripes saying, I'm sorry. I didn't realize who your God was. I'm sorry. You know what? He got saved, the Bible said, and his wife got saved, and his family got saved. God saved all of them. Can I tell you, there was a change, a change in his life from a violent man that would beat these guys. Now all of a sudden says, I want you to eat at my table. I want to wash your stripes. I want to love on you a little bit. Jesus Christ comes and changes our nature. I think about that jailer and then I think about the centurion soldier. Yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all remember the Roman centurion that, that he was the, one of the executioners there at Calvary that day and after the scourging, the horrible beating when his flesh was laid open on his back and he was a bloody pulp and after the spitting on uh, in his face and the slaps across his face, more than 600 they say, and after the plaiting of the crown of thorns and the gambling for his clothes as they stripped him off of them, they finally raised him up. And after the seven sayings on the cross, when he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? After he had said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. After he had said all of these things, finally cried, It is finished. 
and a bolt of lightning streaked across the sky. The birds quit singing. It got eerily dark. The earth shook. And a Roman centurion said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. It was late. It was too late, really. But he recognized that this man has created such a change. I've killed lots of people. Never did the birds quit singing. Never did the sun refuse to shine. Never did the earth quake and shake. Can I tell you something? Nobody can have an encounter with a holy God and be the same. Isaiah saw the Lord and said, I'm ready to go, God. I'm ready. Here am I. Can't you send me? Jeremiah saw the Lord and said, God's fingers touched my lips with a coal taken with tongs from off the altar and he gave me strength and even though I'm a young man I can go because nobody can encounter a holy God and be the same can't do it can't do it let me give, let me give you David he's my hero David was a man after God's own heart from his young young age loved God Set himself up. He wrote the Psalms. Sat in the Judean hills. In the sunset writing Psalms. Alone with God. And one day the opportunity came for him to walk onto the stage. A Philistine giant was on the side of the hill. And Israel was shaking and everybody was scared. And David said, I, I, I ain't worried about him. He said, I done seen this kind of stuff before. I've had to fight for my daddy's sheep. And I'm not, even, I'm not even really scared of him, Saul. If you'll just give me the opportunity. I said, you can't fight. You just, boy, he said, please. Saul said, okay. He put on my armor and he put it on. He said, I can't use this stuff. It's too heavy. I hadn't tried it. But let me just take what I take with me when I go to the field. And I'll take my sling. And he took it. And here's what he said. I want you to understand. It was not in David's might and his power. But he said to Goliath, you have defied the armies of the Lord God of Israel. You come to me with a sword and a spear and a stave. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of the armies of Israel that you have defied. And today, I'll take your head off your shoulders, says the Lord. And he slung that stone and it hit him right here. The only place where his armor had an opening, he hit him. He sunk into his head. This big nine foot tall giant fell. David walked over and grabbed his sword from his side and cut his head off. Grabbed him by the hair of his head. Held his head up to the people of Israel and said, See, today, God has prevailed. God has prevailed. The women grabbed the tambourine and began to sing, Blessed art thou, David. Thou hast slain tens of thousands. A number of years later, he was crowned king at Hebron. And when Israel was at war, Uriah the Hittite was a captain in his army and married to a beautiful young girl by the name of Bathsheba. And David was supposed to be with the troops, but he wasn't. And up on top of his rooftop, one day he looked over and saw Bathsheba bathing. And he fell in great, great lust of her. And with letters back and forth, pretty soon he met with her. Pretty soon they had some fun, as the world would call it. <clears throat> she wrote him a letter. Said, I'm pregnant. So he wrote another letter. You know, and... Sent, got her husband home on leave so he could blame it on him. 
Her husband was so righteous that he wouldn't even go home, but he lay at the gate of the palace. He said, next morning, David's guy come and said, you know what, Lord? You're right, he didn't even go home. He laid at the gate all night. David asked him the next day, he said, why didn't you go home? He said, I cannot go home and enjoy the food that my wife prepares and enjoy relationships with my wife while my Lord and my country is at war. David had committed adultery. He would go on to kill her husband or have him killed in battle. We're talking about a man that was after God's own heart, that loved God. Nathan the prophet came to him and said, he told a little parable and told him how this man come to town and he could have had any lamb he wanted, any. But there was one guy that had one little ewe lamb. That's the only animal that he had. That's the only one. And how this stranger took that one and slaughtered it. And David pronounced judgment. He said, for such a man that could have had anybody or anybody's land, he could have done anything he wanted, and he's done this. He told the, the penalty. And Nathan looked at him and said, David, you are the man that I'm talking about. Bathsheba's all that Uriah had. You could have had any woman in the kingdom. You could have had any... And you took the only one he had. God have mercy on your soul. You know what David did? David fell in sackcloth and ashes. He repented unto God. He wrote Psalm 51 where he begged God, Please forgive me for what I have done. I have sinned against thee and against thee only have I done this iniquity in thy sight. Restore a right spirit within me and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. What he's saying is don't cast me out. Don't, don't, I repent of what I've done. And let me say this, unless we repent, we will in no wise see God. You say, Pastor, that's a hard message that you preach. I want to tell you something. I have to give an account of God for what I say. I told you of John Wesley and Charles. Three days later, John, seeking the grace of God, he ended in a meeting at Aldersgate in London. He wrote in his journal that now famous account of his conversion. He said, in the evening I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate. Now he was already preaching. He was already writing hymns. He said, in about a quarter before nine, he says, uh, someone was uh, reading Martin Luther's preface to the epistle to Romans. While he described the change that God works in someone's heart through faith in Christ. He said, I felt a warming a strangely warming feeling in my heart. He said, John immediately shared the good news with Charles. Charles wrote that towards 10 o'clock, my brother was brought into triumph by a troop of our friends and declared, I believe. And we sang the hymn with great joy. And we parted with prayer. Watch this. Until their conversions, the Wesleys had, uh, had described what they believed to be just a fair summer religion. Until he really made things right with God. They were both ordained. They had both preached. They had both taught. They wrote hymns. They composed songs. They'd done all these things. But on that night, they really received Christ as their Lord and Savior. What I want to say is this. I've got a, I've got a YouTube clip I actually want to play 
for just a moment. And I want to tell you that we can have fun. It's a myth to say that we can't. But then we have to be careful not to try to justify any and everything we want to do. There will be a change. Rascal Flats sang a song, and I want you to hear this, and then we're going to pray in this altar. Would you play the video? Hear the words of it, please. I came up out of the water Raised my hands up to the Father Gave it all to Him that day Felt a new wind kiss my face Walked away, eyes wide open Could finally see where I was going It didn't matter where I'd been I'm not the same man I was then
heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let me leave this truth with you. If you have not changed, you have not been saved. If you still, I'm not saying, listen, please understand me as I explain this. I'm not saying that you're going to be Mr. and Ms. Righteous and that you're never going to break an egg and that you're never going to slip and say something that you shouldn't say or do something. I'm never, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to say that we're perfect people because we are not. But what I am saying is this, is that you will not live in habitual sin where day after day after day after day you just do whatever feels good just what, and have no conscience whatsoever and still think that that's alright with God it's not and I'm telling you that as your friend and I'm telling you that as your pastor I'm telling you that as a spokesman for the Lord because I don't want to get down to the end and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say well you know what I thought everything was cool I thought I was fine the difference in a Christian and those who are not is that when a Christian does something wrong, their conscience, that is the Holy Spirit that is in them, strikes them and says, you know you should not have talked to her that way. You know you shouldn't have acted like that or seen that or said that or done that or went there. You know better. And that is the Holy Spirit that is convicting you. And the thing to do right then is to find a place of solitude and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I got off track here. I've said more than I ought to say. I've done more than I ought to do. I've, I, I've gone where I shouldn't go. I have taken part in something that I should not. And I have brought a reproach on my testimony and on you and on the church. And so, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and then I'll go to whoever or whomever it is and say... Please forgive me. I should not have acted like I acted, did what I did, said what I said, went where, whatever it is. And that's how Christians handle the business. And that's how they stay humble before God and soft and pliable in His hands. You see, because what He wants is a humble heart. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.